So the overall point of palliative care is to provide comfort and dignity um, rather than pursue futile care or even heroic life-saving measures. And depending on the patient's details, it's a valid option. Uh, this contrasts with euthanasia, which is a process of actively assisting someone to die. Uh, it's obviously controversial. It's in some countries, but it's not without a significant problem there. Um, an example of how it would be a problem is that it completely changes the doctor-patient relationship and it's at too much risk of being <coughs> having mistakes being made with uh, people having a lot of transient mental health problems, um, which you know they may seek euthanasia for if that was an option, such as a grandparent not wanting to be a burden or kids wanting to get assets of grandparents or parents. So in terms of death certificates, the process of assigning a death certificate is that the clinician must be comfortably satisfied about the cause of death and circumstances. The circumstances do not constitute a reportable death to the coroner. The clinician needs to know enough from the record, even if they haven't seen that person in a while. Uh, and in the NT, it's interesting to you know there's no requirement to cite the body. What is a reportable death? So a reportable death in the NT is a violence or unnatural death, sudden death of unknown cause, a death under suspicious circumstances, any child, if the person is in care or custody, if the identity of that person is not known, if the death is while under anaesthetic, or if the death is following an accident. Uh, and you need to do a perinatal death certificate if you have a stillborn child of at least 20 weeks, uh, the child or the child is at least 400 grams of birth, or you have a live child who dies within 28 days. Uh, and there's a separate cremation certificate. So you should only do a cremation certificate if the death certificate seems okay. If the cremation doesn't pose a risk to the person, so such as no pacemaker and no battery-powered device, uh, and then you don't sign the cremation certificate if there's a possibility that further investigations are required, if the clinician is aware that the deceased did not wish to be cremated, or if a person or representative or close family member has objected to the cremation. So moving on to an advanced health directive. An advanced health directive is like a living will. It's where you get to make assessments about the type of care you want in certain situations, and it's called an advanced personal plan in the NT. It's a document where you document your treatment decisions, views and wishes, and you can appoint a substitute decision makers. Uh, and these can be any of your spouse, parents, adult child, relatives or friends. And you can have separate decision makers for different purposes. Uh, so the process for that is that you fill in the form, get witnesses and send it to the government department. Uh, within the form as well you can make general statements about your desires, specific statements about certain situations, have goals for your end of life care, appoint substitute decision makers um, and you need to update your health record. So in terms of adult guardianship, um, an adult guardian is a member of your family or friends that you can appoint as a guardian and they can make decisions with regards to your health and money. 
Um, if you can't find anyone, you can have guardianship orders made by the NT cat, and public guardian can be appointed when no one else is available. Uh, within this, you need to remember the components of competence, and so they are that you can understand and remember information, use that information to make informed decisions and communicate those decisions. Uh, within the NT as well, you have something called alcohol mandatory treatment, which is for people repeatedly taken into custody two to three times for public drunkenness in the last three months. Treatment may be in a secure residential facility uh, or a community residential facility, uh, and it can involve components such as income management, um, development programs, getting life skills, doing work readiness programs, having individual treatment plans, therapeutic programs for uh, you know, acute and long-term alcohol withdrawal and maintenance of abstinence, uh, doing cognitive behavioural therapy, and members of the tribunal sit uh, and do something with that. Um, it's moving back into palliative care territory. Uh, some common symptoms of being elderly are boredom, loneliness, fear, pain, anorexia, nausea and vomiting, and constipation. Um, this is really back in pain relief, but anyway. The classes of pain relief that you can give are NSAIDs, opioids, COX-2, COX-3 inhibitors, antidepressants or neuropathic pain relief, antispasmodics, benzos, bisphosphonates for bone pain, ketamine and steroids. So within palliative care territory there's indications for uh, parenteral morphine and they are being unable to, unable to swallow, bowel obstructions, having severe nausea and vomiting, uh, and at a high oral dose, there's a flattening of the response curve and a high oral dose of morphine, oral morphine. <coughs> Treatment of anorexia is with metoclopramide. Treatment of constipation is with lactulose 20 mils BD or Movicol 1 to 2 sachets. Treatment of noisy breathing is with buscopan, atropine, steroids or benzos. Treatment of nausea and vomiting is with haloperidol or maxilon. Treatment of cerebral mets is with dexamethasone. Treatment of hiccups is with clonazepam or haloperidol. And treatment of depression we, uh, can be any of the antidepressants, but this one specifically describes metazapine, 30 megs daily, and fixing the cause. Treatment of hypercalcemia is rehydration and bisphosphonates.